Welcome to Nourishing the Feminine Soul with Pamela Wasabi. Take a deep breath and open up to the possibilities of what your life has to offer. Pamela and her guests will show you how you can take charge of your life by embracing the values of the wild woman. Exhale. Learn to trust yourself again. Embrace your infinite power of intuition and love yourself crazy. Now, here's your host, Pamela Wasabi. Love is Celebration, a poem from the book, Woman of the Moon. Love is not the process through which we become whole. Love is the process through which we become undone. Love, love celebrates our wholeness. Love deconstructs your thoughts of unworthiness. Love heals. Yes, my friends, that's from my book, Woman of the Moon, which you can find on Amazon or my website, PamelaWasabi.com. So good morning, Miami and the world. Uh, I am your host, Pamela Wasabi, and this is your show, Nourishing the Feminine Soul. This show is an invitation to understand relationships with self, with others, with food, and the environment from the archetype of the wild woman. I will offer you insights you can apply to live a more radiant life by unveiling the power of your divine feminine. You can join us every Wednesday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, a.m. Pacific Time on voiceamerica.com, the health and wellness channel. You can also listen to the recording of this show, whatever podcasts are heard. You can try Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and so on. And if you can please share with your friends, with your family members, your loved ones, that would be amazing. That way we can expand on this conversation and we can learn a little bit about those things that, to be honest, they don't teach us in school. You can connect with me through my social media channels. I am on Facebook, Instagram at Pamela Wasabi. And talking about social, I want to invite you to take a look at my bakery. Uh, you can find my bakery at PamelaWasabi.com or Pamela Wasabi Bakery, Facebook and Instagram also. I have a vegan and gluten-free bakery. And today, baking, pastry, desserts is one of our main themes of conversation. Um, I, want you to, I want to let you know that we make absolutely everything from scratch and we continuously celebrate our bodies, our health and our happiness and our happiness by creating nourishing and delicious baked goods. So healthy foods can be, can be delicious, can be colorful, can be vibrant and can be awesome. Our motto is actually eat more beauty. So today, yes, our theme is beauty, is celebration, is life, and it is food. Today's theme title is nourishment, and have a very special friend and colleague in this food industry that is going to um, give us insights of what the food industry is all about and how she changed her life by reclaiming or reestablishing a relationship with food. So I just want to touch base about this relationship that we have with food. And last uh, episode, when we had Tara Mixon on, that we were discussing uh, understanding 
uh, wholeness, we were also speaking about food and how food is a symbol of love. And food can be so many things for all of us. Food can be the enemy, food can be energy, food can be fuel. But uh, food, eating and cooking is just it's just something that is fundamental for our lives. So it is important to understand that there is a relationship that we have with food. And although because our cultural background, food can mean many things, we do can uh, understand how necessary it is to talk about food. Um, I mean, food involves celebrations, festivities, happy moments, and maybe not so happy ones for some of us. Um, like I said before, eating is definitely something that is transmitted culturally. Whatever we grew up, we have this association with food or with the, or with the things that we eat. Uh, and believe it or not, you know, eating can also reflect how we see ourselves, how we understand ourselves. So food actually becomes a part of who we are. Whatever we put in becomes a part of our bodies. Uh, food has information that can nourish us or can destroy us. And food can transform us, definitely. And I think Valentina and I are a testament to that statement. It definitely, food definitely transformed our lives. So let's discuss food and our understanding of it uh, with my dear friend, vegan chef and acclaimed pastry expert, uh, Valentina Cordero. Um, but before, before starting our conversation, because you know that I love to go very deep with this topic, <laughs> I want to ask you to just please take a moment and think about how much of your life revolves around food. Um, and it's definitely, you know, food can also be water and I believe even air is also, uh, is also food. Um, and then my last question before moving forward is how many people do you know whose life has been affected in either a positive or negative way because of food? So it's definitely something that is around us, it's constant, it's very present, and believe it or not, or you like it or not, our food, our life depends on food. Um, so Let's see, uh, we have heard, or I'm sure you have heard by uh, Hippocrates famous saying that food is dye medicine. I want to propose with today's show that food is not only medicine, but food is also life. And food changed my life. Uh, there was a time where I didn't like to eat whatsoever or didn't like to cook or knew how to cook whatsoever. And today I am a chef. And I have the ability to impact someone else's life with the food that I prepare. So I just want to really um, emphasize in this subject that whoever cooks has a responsibility. So chefs have a responsibility to connect that link between nature and the human body. But I'm not very sure that this bridge is very well, it's walkable <laughs> in the food industry. I believe that in most cases or in most food industry scenarios, this link is broken. So let's you know, invite Valentina Cordero today. Um, and let's talk a little bit about 
that situation that we both have been uh, exposed to. So just let me tell you a little bit more about Valentina. Uh, like I said before, she's an amazing pastry chef. She's trained by world-renowned chefs, and she's the founder of her own company, House of V. House of V is a vegan bakery that specializes in high-end baked goods. Her signature ingredients are superfoods and edible flowers, and I believe you're also expanding on a sugar-free line of baked goods, correct? Yes. She's nodding, right. she's saying yes. <laughs> They are delicious, they are vibrant, and they're pleasing to the belly and to the eyes. And I can, I can tell you that I'm not just talking and sending flowers to Vale. I'm actually, I remember I ordered some cupcakes for my birthday in one occasion. They are delicious. Um, so Vale, Valentina, she perfected her baking technique while working in Napa Valley uh, under Chef, Chef Thomas Keller's uh, Bucon Bouchon Bakery. Can you tell me how to pronounce that? Yeah, Bouchon Bakery. Bouchon Bakery uh, under the tutelage of pastry chef Ethan Howard. And then after she embraced a vegan lifestyle, uh, she knew that she needed to adapt her French cuisine training to vegan ingredients, and that's how her company was born. Vale, it's such a pleasure to have you here with me. I am so happy to share the kitchen and this platform with you. <laughs> Thank you so much for inviting me, especially to talk about a subject that I know we both are really you know, passionate about, that is the subject of food and uh, particularly like vegan food and, and you know, vegan desserts. Yes, uh, there's so much to talk about, you know, like vegan cannot be defined only as a diet. And I actually try to, you know, although I, I eat like a vegan, I, tr I like to stand away from the labels and uh, better say that I embrace a plant-based lifestyle, right? Well, but, you know that it, it's it's funny you mentioned that because I recently had like this, you know, back and forth conversation, let's call it, with somebody on social media because I wrote a guide uh, that to help people because, you know, I realized that it, friends and people in general uh, ask me all the time the same questions about veganism and, and what is what, what does it mean to be vegan and all of this. So I decided to write a guide with the most common questions, and it's in Spanish, and I called it, um, it's like a guide to, uh, like to embrace a vegan lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was this person that told me like that veganism is not a lifestyle. And I said, well, you know, I put the word lifestyle because I just wanted to convey that it's more than a diet because to be vegan is not only food. It has to do with many other things, like, for example, you know, what industries you support. I look at more like that, you know, what, what do you do with your, with your power as a consumer? For example, if I want to buy a shampoo, now that I'm, I'm more conscious, let's say vegan, I say, you know, I want to support a vegan company instead of getting any type of shampoo. Mm -hmm. And not only because I know it's a product that is not going to harm animals, also because I want to support somebody that shares the same values that I do. Mm -hmm. So I do believe that veganism is more than just a diet. It's a lifestyle. But uh, there are many types of different, you know, levels, let's say. You yes. can be vegan just with food and maybe you don't pay so much attention to 
the cosmetics you put in your skin, and that's okay. Uh, I think that we tend to, you know, go at each other, like there's a perfect way to be a vegan or a vegetarian or an animal activist or this or that. And with years, I just realized that, you know, the perfect way is what works for you because if in your lifestyle, you know, the only thing that you want to do is eat plants, but you want to eat honey and you use honey for your tea, that works for you. It, it doesn't help anybody if people come at you and start criticizing you because you eat honey, you know? Yeah. So I think it's more about sharing a message of like compassion and that nobody has the last word or the last thing or nobody knows better. You just try and do what makes you happy and what works for you. And of course, that if it works for the animals too, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. I think that uh, that's something that I see a lot on the on the like vegan community Mm -hmm. that people tend to go at each other all the time and criticize and that's something that I really don't like and for for a long time I didn't even said that I was vegan or I didn't start any conversations about food or anything for fear of creating all this you know like uh, heating debates yes so no and uh you know I, I like the way that we're starting this conversation uh because there's many ways to define what veganism is and I think the most important uh, aspect of this whole uh, dilemma is to understand that each one of us, we are in a process of discovery of who we are. And food lends itself to lend or opens a door for us to really understand how we digest food, how we eat the food, how we prepare the food, how we cook it, where we buy it, uh, where does it come from? So. You know, I, I've seen how veganism does attract people into this lifestyle, but then everyone becomes whatever they need to become through this process. So I believe that I do have a, a big issue with with labels and diet names. And for some time in my company, I also kind of like uh, shied away from the term vegan, veganism, because uh, I do like honey. And sometimes I try exotic cheeses, right? And, and, and me, I am discovering myself and I am trying to, to appreciate others' art in a way with, you know, with, with how they are expressing themselves also, right? I remember Michael Pollan, there was a, a, a Netflix uh, documentary that he put out and he was studying or he was... Uh, you know, making uh, this episode on, on cheese. And he found these nuns in the middle of you know, a very rural, rural uh, city or countryside or whatever, like a little town. And these nuns will take, I mean, uh, months and so much care to create this cheese from the cows that live in the same place. And there was so much love and appreciation and, and art or an art to, to, to the making of this cheese that he could appreciate the art form of what cheese is, right? So there's different ways of looking at these things without having the need to commercialize or harm any, anything else. But you know, when you carry that label or that stigma or dogma or I am a vegan and if I'm invited to somebody else's house and I and I try a piece, you know, like I drink milk by mistake, oh my God, I'm going to be, you know, they're going to, I'm going to go to hell in a way, right? So uh, some, you know, I've seen how not only in the vegan 
kind of like world, but in, in many communities where, you know, diet is kind of like the leading flag, how we take this terms and we make them into a religion where that religion has to dictate how we live our lives and either if we are a good person or a bad person, where in reality, we cannot say either because we are in this process of discovery. We're in this process of unveiling what's really within, you know, within. Uh, so it's interesting how uh, we have this need of always labeling everything to feel safe when in fact, you know, that safety is not going to make you free. That safety is going to make you more of a prisoner. You know, it's going to make you a prisoner of whatever label you are carrying on. So that's why I kind of like, like to use the term plant-based lifestyle because, uh, in a way, what I am trying to propose is more of like a harmonious way of living with your environment, right? Yeah. So I, I, I think that's a, a good way of using a term that maybe a lot of peop more people are going to connect to. But in my case, you know, I kind of like for a while, I felt kind of like, inadequate to say that I'm vegan, you know, I, because I didn't want to like offend anybody or bother anybody or anything like that. And my reality is that I actually became a vegan for the animals, you know, mm -hmm. it, it was something that that's my truth. And that's what it felt. And, it, and, and I felt that I, I, it wasn't okay to share it because I might offend people. So after years in the industry and I just realized that it's okay if that's my truth, I, I shouldn't feel bad of saying something, but for another person might be different and that's okay too, you know. I think the, the best thing is not trying to impose your beliefs into somebody else. For example, uh, I, I'm married and my husband wasn't a vegan when I met him. And the first thing when we had this talk about food, I said, you're going to eat what makes you happy and I'm going to respect you and I'm going to eat what makes me happy and I hope that you respect me. And with time, thank God, he became <laughs> a vegan, but I didn't pressure him. I told him, you know, in the end, I love you and what I want is to see you happy. And if eating yeah. eggs is going to make you happy, I think that you have your own right to to you know, to take that, like that decision of what's going to go in your body and what industry you're going to support because it's your body and it's your life. And, and, and I don't think that it's, it's okay for anybody to come and tell you what to eat or what you do, even if it's a person you love. Yeah. So it um, was a transition, interesting transition and he became vegan and, and, you know, it worked out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you were, you know, before you mentioned that there's no perfect, perfect way of being a vegan or non-vegan or vegetarian or whatever it is. But I, I do think that for what you just shared with me, uh, the perfect way is is just respecting who you are and and be loyal to that path. And then in that path, you discover this kindness towards your body, towards the environment, towards uh, other businesses, you know, you discover compassion, you discover um, acceptance, you discover all these really uh, beautiful, vibrant, like energetic 
um, approaches to everything that I believe that's what teaches somebody else or that's what inspires somebody else to follow what, what is that you are doing. So it's not really telling them this is the way because these are the reasons and these are the proofs and this is the statistic and this is what's going on with the world and you have to do it because if not, you're a bad person. More about this is how I live my life and just by being loyal to the way that you live your life and embracing that and and being happy doing that, that really shows, that really inspires, that really teaches people, right? It's like with our kids, you know, you cannot tell a kid something, you show them by example. Yeah, but it took me a long time to think <laughs> the way I think because at the beginning when I started being a vegan, I'm like, you can't eat meat, you have to be vegan, you have to, I was so like frustrated and maybe like a little bit angry and I just like with my family and friends and I would feel offended if somebody would like eat meat in front of me and I would be like this angry vegan that was like no that's wrong and then you know 15 years later 20 years later I'm like eat whatever makes you happy <laughs> you know like, <laughs> yeah there, there was a, a change and and I just realized that the only thing that is gonna make an impact is what my decisions with me with my body yeah so then in a sense what you are describing it's coming into a relationship with yourself you know it's like befriending yes. yourself again um, I also would like to share um, this behavior that you're mentioning before. I also had it in my first years of discovery and in my first years on when I changed my diet. Um, and, uh, you know, I was not so much towards the vegan approach. I was more about the healthy approach, right? And in the food psychology field, there is a term called orthorexia. And orthorexia is the obsession with eating a certain way. So, like <laughs> yes, yeah, so it can be healthy, it can be vegan, it can be keto, it can be vegetarian, it can be whatever, just name it. Orthorexia is this kind of like a disorder, if you may, uh, or obsession, I think the better word is obsession, to, to wanting to be under a very square paradigm of how things should be and you cannot go out that square because then you know you're gonna get fat you're gonna die you're gonna get sick you're gonna you know whatever it's gonna happen to you and I think that a lot of us come into that space out of fear of discovering who we really are right out of fear of oh who are what are they going to say if I eat cheese tomorrow or oh uh, that is not healthy and then something's going to happen to me or I cannot control myself. So I need to tell myself that I can only eat this way. So I guess what I am describing or as I am, you know, saying these words out loud, uh, what it's coming to me is that there is a lack of trust on how we approach food and how we eat that we as humans uh, resort to these very obsessive and extreme ways of eating. And we kind of like take punishment with it to kind of like force ourselves to eat a certain way instead of trusting the intuitive way and the right way of eating according to our bodies and who we are as people. Yeah, and I also think that sometimes we kind of like blame the food, you know, for all of our problems. And maybe if we take a step back and realize that we are the one eating the food. So what you are saying that a cake can be happiness, but a cake can be, you know, fear. 
So we give them meaning to the food. So if you're in a good mental state and you're happy and you want to have something sweet, that's going to be great. But if you are in a bad mental state and you see a piece of cake, you might be frightened because you're like, I'm going to eat that and it's going to be bad for me. What you are saying, I'm going to gain weight and then I'm, I'm not going to be able to control myself after and all of this. So I think it's important to maybe like use food kind of like as a, I don't know, thermometer to see how we're inside and how we are reacting to the different choices. And in my, I mean, I think that I'm an, an authority on the subject because I've had, had issues with food all my life. And there's periods of time when I am see food as my best friend. And, you know, it's funny because when I see myself, I go towards the healthier options and, and that makes me feel good in the moment. And when I'm bad, I'm like, you know, I just want carbs and I just want sweets and I just want this. And then I end up feeling bad that I ate it and it's this crazy cycle, but it's not the food, it's just like my mind. Yeah, it's our mindset, our, our approach. Uh, you know, I mentioned in our introduction that food reflects how we see ourselves. Uh, in, an, in my previous show, which I think is very tied into this conversation, uh, it is how we understand food and also how we understand ourselves that gets reflected how we approach food, right? So sometimes that feeling of not feeling enough or feeling disappointment, disappointed with ourselves, you know? I also think that perfectionism has a lot to do with, with how we, I mean, I think it, it, uh, it targets more women, this perfectionism more than, than men, because we are very hard with ourselves and our bodies. Uh, <laughs> my daughter is here with me. Hi. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, you know, we, in a, in a urge to sabotage or punish or hurt ourselves or telling ourselves that we were not good enough or didn't do good enough or that we could have done better, we turn we turn to food, right? And that's where food stops being a symbol of happiness and it becomes our enemy. But in fact, food is not doing anything whatsoever. Food just sits there. It's how we approach it and how we are thinking of ourselves that we take this thing and completely twisted it into something else. And like how you were saying before, our bodies are just so sensitive to our thoughts that whatever we are thinking, our bodies are going to respond to that thought. So it's very important to have that in mind that it's not about food, but it's, it's about what mindset we have when we sit at the table to eat. Vale, this is extremely interesting. Uh, <laughs> I just want to go <laughs> um, for a little break and let's continue our conversation after a few seconds of awesome commercials and information about other uh, interesting shows that's in this um, Amazing Voice America. This is food. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Nourishment and baked goods in the same sentence? It's possible. You'll want to visit PamelaWasabi.com. Pamela Wasabi Bakery specializes in creating delicious desserts made with organic, wholesome, and exotic ingredients. Enjoy cookies, brownies, birthday cakes, and even silky cheesecakes. And the best part? Everything is vegan and gluten-free. Shop at PamelaWasabi.com. Bite into our heavenly lavender cookie with roasted pistachio. Sink your fork into a slice of passion fruit cheesecake. 
or a piece of our decadent vanilla almond cake with rose frosting. Oh, and you must try our customer favorite, a celestial chocolate chip cookie with charcoal salt. Everything we have is delicious. We ship nationwide. And right now, you can use the code VEGAN to receive free shipping. Place your order today at PamelaWasabi.com. And remember to use the code VEGAN for free shipping. Pamela Wasabi Bakery. Eat more beauty. Tune in every Tuesday for C. diff, spores, and more with host Nancy Kerala. Our program is to provide information about C. diff, healthcare-associated infections, and more. Nancy is a C. diff survivor, healthcare professional, and founder and executive director of the C. diff Foundation. Together with her guests, we'll explore C. diff infection prevention, treatments, clinical trials, environmental safety, and more. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Nourishing the Feminine Soul. To get in touch with the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to radio at PamelaWasabi.com. Now, back to Nourishing the Feminine Soul. Here's Pamela Wasabi. What's up, my friends? Welcome back to Nourishing the Feminine Soul. I am here today with pastry chef Valentina Cordero, and we are discussing veganism, lifestyle, relationship with food, and nourishment. So I was thinking, Vale, I think that we need to uh, share with our uh, listeners, how did you uh, become vegan? Well, I became vegan when I was around, like, 16 years old, my dad uh, uh, went to India. I'm from Venezuela. I was living in Venezuela. And Venezuela at the time, well, now, but at the time more, is like a very meat-forward type of eating. Like, for me, a meal without meat is like, okay, there's something missing here. Uh, I ate meat basically every meal. So when my dad came back from the, from the trip, he was a vegetarian and when I asked him why he was a vegetarian he explained to me uh, that he was in a you know going in a new spiritual path and he said that you know when animals die they suffer and they have all this fear and all these emotions 
and that emotions go into the meat and then you eat that suffering and that was the reason why the, sometimes somebody can be really angry or fearful or something and it's basically an energy that doesn't belong to you it's something that belongs to an animal that you ate mm -hmm. I, this might sound a little crazy but that's the explanation he gave me and i was like wow i think it was really the first time that consciously i made the connection that the dish that i was eating like the meatball it's an animal so i was in shock like i knew that like as a concept but I don't know, it kind of like hit me, like, wow, I'm eating an animal. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to be a vegetarian. I cannot eat animals anymore. So I started being a vegetarian. And then a few years later, I moved to the United States. And I met some friends that were vegan. And I'm like, vegan, what is that? So they explained the the concept to me. And I'm like, okay, this is me. Now I'm, I'm not going to eat dairy or eggs or anything like that. And I, I, I stopped being a vegetarian and I switched to veganism. And it was a really easy switch because, well, the first thing, I was never really big on, like, meat or eggs or anything like that. I, I always loved vegetables and grains, and so it wasn't hard for me. And then, you know, when something makes so much sense, when I heard about veganism and started reading about it, it clicked immediately, and I was like, okay, this is it. The hard part was that I was in cooking, it was my I was, profession. I was just going to ask you that. I'm like, wait, how could you be vegan? Yeah. <laughs> so actually, when I became a vegetarian, I was starting cooking. I started to study cooking really young. And I was like, okay, that's not a problem. I'm just going to switch to pastry and that's it. So mm. that's what I did. I switched to pastry and then I was a vegetarian doing pastry. Mm -hmm. Then when I became a vegan, that was a problem because I was like, okay, I'll just be a vegan in my life. And at work, I'll, I'll use eggs and butter and milk and that's fine. And that kind of worked for a very short period of time <laughs> <laughs> because it got to a point that I, it didn't feel right. I just didn't want to do it anymore. And uh, every time I would have to work and crack eggs and use butter, I would see, you know, the animal. And I was like, no, this this is, it doesn't feel, you know, it's not connecting the person that I am and what I'm thinking and what I want to put out in the world with this. So that's kind of like how my company started, how the House of Bee was born. Because I, I was like, okay, the perfect ideal place for me to work, I don't think it exists. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to like look for vegan restaurants and at the time there was not a lot of stuff. I tried it. You know, so my sisters were like, okay, you study cuisine, you're a chef, do your own thing. And I was like, hmm, I've never done anything vegan. I wasn't really big on cooking at the time, like big, special, like vegan desserts or anything. So I started trying out and buying books and doing recipes until I, I'm not going to say that I was confident enough to go out because I wasn't. But my sister was like, that's it. She sent me like a mug with my logo. And she's like, your company is already in the world, in the material world. It exists, so now you start. And uh, I started just like the like the, I was pushed into it. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. I think that uh, in that moment when you realize that you know this diet that we're talking about, it's more than just a diet. It's really a lifestyle because it pushes you to change certain 
things in your life in a drastic way. I mean, changing the ingredients in the kitchen and changing your profession or adjusting your career to the way that um, aligns with your belief system, that that exact moment, that is when you realize that it's not just a diet. It's a lifestyle, yeah. right? Exactly. exactly. So. Vale, will you approach or do you approach, you know, ingredients in the kitchen, the, let's say the non-vegan ingredients, the same way that you approach ingredients where there's a lack of dairy or eggs? Like, is it the same process in your head when you're going to cook or bake? Well, for me, it's easier because I don't have a choice. I don't have non-vegan ingredients in the kitchen. So it's like, I think the trick is to try different ingredients and see what works with what. Because, for example, if you want to substitute, let's say, dairy in a soup, maybe you can use coconut milk, but that coconut milk is not going to work. And maybe if you're doing something baked, it's going to be too heavy if you put the coconut milk. So it's, I think it's a process of having different types of ingredients and exploring and 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 do do trials, you know, to see. Because, but it's really rewarding. If you do something and maybe use an ingredient that you didn't think of before and it comes out good, you know, it's like the best feeling in the world. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think that it's a sensitivity that we need to have in the kitchen to be so aware to the nuances of each ingredient, right? When we are, because you're also big uh, gluten-free, right? Yes. Because you I mean, know, that's another went, layer to cooking. <laughs> <laughs> I went through, a, I'm not gluten-free myself, but I started doing gluten-free because a lot of people, like moms especially, had uh, kids with allergens. And, and, and I was like, man, it's so sad that, you know, it's your birthday and maybe you're vegan, but you have this, this, this allergen that you cannot tolerate gluten. And then you are like a minority. Mm-hmm. So kind of like my idea behind the evolution I had in my baked goods was like, you know, I want those people to that feel that they cannot have anything to have the best, you know? So I'm like, you're vegan. It's okay. You're going to have an amazing cake. You're gluten-free. You're going to have an amazing cake. You cannot eat sugar. You're going to have an amazing cake, <laughs> you know? So that was kind of like the fuel behind it, you know, like going for the, like the underdog, you know, the person that... the I, I've seen in, in like birthday parties that all the kids were having a great cake and then the one vegan kid like with a banana, you know, and it's like, come on, you don't want to be that kid with the banana. Yes. So I kind of like try to make something that people were going to feel really special and really good eating. Yeah, that's that's beautiful, Vale. Um, <laughs> yeah, and that's where you realize that food is a symbol of love. You know, we, we cook to bring smiles we we cook to share um you know it's very few the times where food does not symbolize uh friendship or relationships or family you know uh vale you remind me you just reminded me of this concept uh, that is very often seen in the vegan community or in the vegan lifestyle Um, and then maybe some people who think about vegan, they think that because you eat vegan, you are healthy or that vegan is a healthier way of living or vegan is the ultimate healthy, you know, lifestyle or diet there is in the world when in fact, you know, you can be vegan and 
be eating very shitty food, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I was a super unhealthy vegan for a very long time. And I think it's just like stages because first I was vegan. And as I mentioned, I just did it for animals. You know, I, I wanted to protect the animals. I wanted to love animals. I didn't want to eat animals. That's it. But then I guess that as you go into it, you started for some reason. I don't know if it happens to everybody, but for me to be more connected with myself and with my body, like I would feel... I will realize more that, okay, this food is making me feel like heavy or this, this food is making me feel more energized. So some thoughts or feelings that I didn't have before. So as I was getting like more in tune, I was like, okay, maybe let's try taking, I don't know, bread out of my diet, diet and see how I feel. And maybe let me try, I, I started craving more fruits and vegetables for some reason. I always like everything, but when I became a vegan, I started like eating a more big variety of different type of foods. Fruits that I didn't eat before, I started like craving, okay, let me try this, let me try that. Eating different type of fruits all the time and vegetables that I wasn't used to eating before. I'm like, okay, let me cook with eggplants that I normally wouldn't eat or more seasonal. If I would see something in the grocery store, I'm like, okay, let me just get this that I have never eaten before and cook it and see what happens. You know, you get like more adventures in the kitchen and sometimes it's really rewarding. Sometimes it's not, but overall, I think that you, the more you get into it, the healthier eater you're going to become. Yes. Um, and, and I like this concept of uh, new adventures in the kitchen because of two reasons. One, it pushes you to cook your own food. And I think that's the difference between um, a healthy vegan diet and an unhealthy vegan diet. Because if we go to the grocery store and we go to the vegan aisle, we're going to find all these products that, you know, call in big bold letters, vegan, 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 vegan. And then you just like pile your cart of all these items and you realize that that's a very heavy amount of processed foods, right? So we have to understand that because something is vegan does not mean that your body can just digest it. And, you know, uh, that can become the information that your body needs to thrive, right? That there's actually a, 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 pro a process of transformation when you start eating vegan, one. And two, that because you're eating vegan, you also have a responsibility to seek wholesome, nourishing foods. And not just because, you know, you're eating uh, fake cheese, fake meat, uh, <laughs> fake bread, fake this, fake that, you know, then you are fine because you are claiming this label of veganism. So, you know, responsibility is like a theme that comes recurrently in, in my shows because there is a responsibility to actually seek food that actually it's going to communicate nourishing information to your bodies instead of just numbing uh, that, that need or of, of feeding yourself. You know, sometimes uh, um, we just don't want to do the extra work. And I think that extra work, that responsibility is really getting into the kitchen and seeing it as a possibility for new adventures. And I think but, that's how you learn how to cook. Yeah, and also I think that if you are good at something, you're going to want to do it more. And that's one of the beautiful things about cooking, you know, that anybody can do it. You don't have to do complicated things. You can just make a toast with beautiful tomatoes, 
sea salt and olive oil and then you feel that wow you made something you are you are feeding yourself or you're feeding someone you love and there's a sense of pride that nobody can take away and then people start getting like addicted to that feeling so okay i did the toast with tomatoes let me do something different and then maybe you add basil on top and then you go to another step and another step and i think that that's something that veganism does because if you're a vegan you have to learn how to cook like yeah. if not you're not gonna survive every vegan person you have to know to do at least a few dishes if you want to make it <laughs> so <laughs> no, i, I think Sorry, Vale, I just got excited because, uh, you know, cooking, it is a form of survival. And cooking is not, you know, making this very uh, extravagant dish with sauce and dice, you know, tomato and julienne carrots and all of these like very uh, elaborate terms that we use in the kitchen, you know. Uh, cooking can be uh, taking a, a camping trip to the middle, you know, to an island in the middle of the ocean and although not vegan, you know, <laughs> fishing and having a, you know, a kind of like a fire to roast your fish. That is cooking, right? So cooking really pushes you to seek these new adventures. And I think that more than anything, uh, the journey or the trip into veganism allows you to discover the wonders that nature provides. Like when you were, you're describing the tomatoes and the basil and the toast and the avocado and the oil, like look how vibrant those ingredients are without any intervention from, you know, the human hand. Like, so one thing that veganism taught me was that like instead of feeling limited that I cannot eat eggs or cheese or meat or dairy or this or that and then you know I only can go to the vegan aisle I actually have a world of possibilities of everything that I can bring into my kitchen I mean let's talk about edible flowers and superfoods and mushrooms and you know all this like exotic fruits and vegetables and, and just uh, amazing uh gifts from nature that we have our disposal to make beautiful food, right? And then when we are cooking, it's not about kind of like burning the food out, you know, which in most cases, you know, barbecuing a pig or a cow is all about. <laughs> we're actually embellishing or we're actually, when, when, I, when I cook, I actually put myself in the position of listening to the ingredients and let them tell me the story, right? So in a way, what we're doing is pray, uh, paying like homage to nature and bringing, I mean, just uh, using it to provide this art, you know, in the, in the way of food. And look at me talking about food. <laughs> <laughs> just, it's just fascinating, you know, that, that our plates can be so vibrant and colorful and it's very little to be done, right? And, and maybe that's what we have to rethink, that cooking is not elaborate, you know, spending hours in the kitchen and to create something edible, you know. Cooking, it's yeah. more of like um, that survival uh, instinct or that intuitive instinct to get the best out of what nature has to offer. Absolutely. And I think that even if you're not vegan, whatever your diet is, if, if you are somebody that maybe is like a little bit intimidated with cooking, I think that an easy way to start is just like pick one ingredient that you like, one thing. If you go to a grocery store and you like spinach, buy your spinach and make one thing with spinach, you know, even if it's a taste spinach, just with a little bit of garlic, that's it. That's your dish. Or use spinach to, you know, garnish a toast or 
And then you're going to feel a little more confident and you're going to be like, okay, let me buy some corn. And then you make something with corn, roasted corn. That's it. Plain corn or uh, corn soup, you know, but little by little you start like losing that fear and connecting with ingredients. You connect more with yourself and you start discovering what you like. And I think it's a really fun experience and it's going to make you feel good. Yeah. And, uh, you know, another thing that I see a lot of people um, coming to, you know, realization or or maybe this is more of an excuse sometimes when people want to try vegan for some time is that they feel they feel overwhelmed uh, because of the amount of changes they have to do to the diet. But I think this is a, a great way of approaching something different and more than wanting to change your life drastically from one day to the other. It's having the ability to grant permission to yourself to explore something different. Right. So it's like permission to be. And, uh, you know, when we when I was talking with uh, Rebecca on the episode about gratitude, um, she was uh, she was um, discussing or expressing how sometimes the change is not about cutting things out of your diet, but it's about adding things, which is what you just described. Right. So, you know, make of this really a journey when you can when where you can enjoy yourself through the different possibilities that there is, you know, like spinach with garlic or spinach with mustard seeds or, you know, spinach or roasted spinach, whatever it is, right? There's so many possibilities and there's so many ways to enjoy yourself trying to discover what is it that you like. Like in a way, maybe that's what it is. Like food allows you to really um, uh, awaken what is it that you really like or what is it that you really uh, kind of like lean towards, right? Maybe it's raw foods, which is another layer of veganism or uh, maybe steamed foods or, or whatever it is there's so many ways you know, to to relate to food uh but definitely the journey being curious and not dropping this need of overwhelming uh having to change one day to the other Vale, are you here with me? Yes, yes. I lost you for a second, but now you're back. <laughs> yes, I did see something coming on, on my screen. Um, yes. Um, yeah, permission to be, right? Which is trusting who you are, trusting yourself as an intuitive eater. I think that's the best way to, to, to put it when approaching food. You know, what, what is your intuition? You know, at what time do you really want to eat and how much are you having? When do you want to say, stop, I don't have to, I don't want to eat anymore. You know, does the plate, does the plate has to really be clean or can I just uh, get up because I feel like I've had enough so far, right? Absolutely. And, uh, and when you mentioned before, also, according to your mindset, um, your mentality that day is going to dictate first how you approach food and second, how you digest food. Right. Because uh, that stress response can really kick in. And when we're under stress, we cannot digest food whatsoever. It doesn't matter how healthy or how delicious it is, especially if it's prepared by Valentina. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, and, and also maybe like use food to feel empowered, you know, because if you can cook something for somebody else, that's going to make you feel good. And that's going to make the other person feel good so it's also a way of like sharing and and 
and you know uh, making yourself uh you know food can can make you feel like that empowered empowered yeah right? which is when you feel yeah. that you're actually affecting somebody else's life in a positive way and i think that's what a chef or embody this responsibility of understanding that food is nourishment, right? When they are making this food, they're actually affecting somebody else's life. Um, and you think a smile can speak for miles, right? Yes. Vale, <laughs> yeah, 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 we not- are running out of time. I want to your projects. I've seen you posting some videos, uh, teaching how to yeah. cook, giving vegan tips. <laughs> so what's going on since there's been... You know, it's been a very long time since the last time I saw you. Yes, well, now, uh, uh, well, uh, 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 let's say that I went through a little transformation last year and I decided... We never stopped. ...that I wanted to stop eating sugar and that's why I started experimenting, you know, cooking sugar-free. So I'm kind of like, I want to cater to people that are trying to avoid sugar as well. And also, I'm writing a, a guide for people that want to get out of sugar, like more or less how is the process and all of that. And also, I have a project about uh, teaching, uh, you know, skills or easy cooking for kids. Because sometimes it can be overwhelming if, like, your, your kid tells you that they don't want to eat meat and you don't know how to do it. So maybe easy tips for kids. And uh, also, I'm making my cakes and my cupcakes and and all that I do in the house of B. That's amazing. Uh, Vale, how will you describe sugar-free? Is it just cutting cane sugar out? Is like not using any coconut sugar? What what kind of sugar are you using? How will you describe that? Well, I mean, it really, the thing with sugar is that for some people, cane sugar, it's like for me, really, really bad. For some people, it triggers like uh, cravings for more for some people it's just because they are diabetic so i use different type of sugars i'm trying to use mainly fruits you know to make the product sweet just with fruits and i try to use spices to like balance out i use a lot of apples and bananas i use monk fruit i use you know trying to make it as natural as possible um, but nothing like Splenda or anything like that. Um, that that's not on my alley. Uh, yeah. I, I don't want to offend anybody using Splenda, but but it's it's not what I would like to use. Yeah. Vale, uh, I want to thank you for being on the show with me today. Thank you so much. Uh, I love so talking much, food. Pamela. I enjoy talking to you. <laughs> thank you. Yes, and I think uh, you're proof of, of how many uh, possibilities there is to make beautiful food that is still nourishing and it's wholesome. And, you know, I believe we're playing homage to what life really is uh, by embracing the beautiful, the miracle fruits and vegetables and foods and everything that nature has to offer uh thank you so much for being with me i send you a big kiss i hope i can see you very soon and uh, thank you and to my listeners thank you so much for being with us today you can find vale at the house of v like v as vegan on instagram Uh, and i'll see you guys next show thank you Thank you for tuning into Nourishing the Feminine Soul. 
Be sure to join Pamela Wasabi for another edition of the program next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Until our next show, have a beautiful week. Thank you.